was about 10 feet per minute. That averages out to about one-ninth of a mile per hour. He builds no nest for his young, or she, sleeps 15 to 22 hours a day, and only eats the leaves closest to it. It's virtually untrainable, like many congressmen and women. Uh, It's one of the seven deadly sins, and we're in a series on the seven deadly sins. Not only is it a bad habit that can be very annoying, but it is also a sin that can be deadly and impact all of life. So we're talking about sloth this morning. Again, not the animal, but the sin. I've noticed that it's a sin that very few confess. Sometimes someone will will confess their pride or perhaps lust, but very few will ever say, I'm a lazy slob. It's never mentioned in job interviews as a weakness. Scott Peck writes, ultimately there is one great impediment to spiritual growth, and that is laziness. If we don't overcome it, then none of the others will be hurdled. Spiritual growth is effortful, as we've been reminded again and again. Jesus often told his disciples, stay awake, watch, follow me, take up your cross. In many ways, as I look around at the church world, I see a church that's lax, in many ways apathetic and asleep. Just what Satan wants. So we're all very familiar with a type A personality, and I'm not advocating for that person, but we're going to look at the type Z person today. Apathetic, indifferent, procrastinator. But let me say a word first, just so you aren't fooled or confused. The type A person can be a sloth spiritually. They can work very hard and furiously doing everything but the most important things, which are connecting with God. You see, they're too busy for God, for reading their Bible, for being involved in church and ministry. They're like Martha in the kitchen, busy at work, missing the most important part like Mary, who sat at Jesus' feet. Sloth really is a tricky sin. Frederick Beekner says, a slothful man may be a very busy man. He is a man who goes through the motions, who flies on automatic pilot. Like the man with a bad head cold, he has mostly lost his sense of taste and smell. He knows something is wrong with him, but not wrong enough to do anything about it. Other people come and go, but through glazed eyes, he hardly notices them. He's letting things run their course. He's getting through his life. Here's a key verse, I think, on sloth. James 4, 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do... And fails to do it for him, it is sin. There are things in our life we know, I need to get that done. Especially spiritually speaking, but we just don't get around to doing it. Like what? Time in the Word every day. How about this scenario? You get home from work and you're extremely tired. You just plop down on the couch. And then the phone rings, and you summon up your last ounce of strength to answer the phone, and it's your golfing buddy on the other line. He says, we have three, but we need a fourth. Suddenly, what happens next is a miracle. Suddenly, you get all this energy that just suddenly comes into your body, and out the door you go. And who misses out? Maybe your wife, perhaps the kids. 
maybe God. Hebrews 6.12, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We miss out on so much when we ignore God. Someone said, procrastination is my sin. It only brings me sorrow. I know I should give it up. In fact, I will tomorrow. And Dorothy Sayers writes, it is the sin that ultimately believes in nothing, cares for nothing, enjoys nothing, loves nothing, and remains alive only because there is nothing it would die for. And as a result, we become spectators through life rather than participants. So why do we procrastinate? Let me offer a few reasons why I think we do. Indecision. First one is indecision. James 1.8 says he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Have you ever sent the waiter away because you just can't make up your mind what to get on the menu? Indecision causes people to postpone choosing a college, getting married, changing jobs. It causes people not to commit their life to Jesus Christ. Example, Acts 26, 28. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, you would persuade me to be a Christian? I think a second reason, perfectionism. Perfectionism. Let me read Ecclesiastes 11.4 in the Living Bible Translation. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. This is the person always waiting for perfect conditions, which never come. They never get the job done because they feel like they won't be able to do it perfectly. So, so they don't volunteer in Sunday school class to help teach because they don't know enough or they may not do it right or they don't share their faith for the same reasons. I think a third reason is fear. Fear. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. When I'm afraid, I put things off. I don't go to the dentist. I don't go to the doctor or to the marriage counselor. I don't pick up the phone and make that sales call. I don't share my faith at work. Ellie Weisel tells a story of a Jew who had been taken to a Nazi concentration camp in World War II. He was one of the fortunate ones who survived. And he went back home and he asked his Gentile neighbors, why didn't you respond or do anything to stop my family from being taken away? And they said, we were afraid of what the Nazis would do to us. And that's true. Fear holds us back from doing many good things. In Jesus' parable of the talent, two servants invested their master's money, but the third one did not. His reason for not investing? Fear. In Matthew 25, it says, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground here. You have what is yours. See, he lost out on the blessing because fear held him back. Here's a fourth reason. Anger. 
Procrastination is a very clever way to get back at people that you're mad at. You just delay. Kids, I think, are pros at it without even being taught. You tell them, clean up your room. And do they do it? No, not right away. You've got to prod them and prod them, and they finally get around to doing it. But they take their good old sweet time. You're asking your husband, why haven't you finished that project? It's been months. Well, it's not getting done because he's angry at you because he thinks you're controlling him. So he's being passive aggressive. You see, nothing outwardly hostile, just inactivity as a way to get even. I think a fifth reason is just pure laziness. Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Slugs. Sluggard. What a lovely name creature that is. Another slow-moving creature like the sloth. Apathy, indifference. If it's hard, forget it. I'm not going to do it. I always want the easy route. What do you think about these book titles? Do you think they'd sell? Ten Difficult Steps to Change. Five hard ways to lose weight. I don't think so. So procrastination causes a lot of problems in our lives. We think, I'll just avoid that conflict and not confront it. And what happens? It grows. It gets worse. Proverbs fifteen nineteen in the Living Bible. A lazy person's way is blocked with briars, but the path of the upright is an open highway. So what kind of problems does my procrastination cause in my life? Well, it wastes opportunities. Waste opportunities. 2 Corinthians 6.2 For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you, and in, in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So if I, if I don't move on what the Holy Spirit has convicted me of, I stay separated from God. So that's why there's all kinds of cliches. You've heard them. Strike while the iron is hot. Make hay while the sun is shining. When opportunity knocks, open the door. In other words, you've got to seize the moment. You've got to take the day. If you wait or delay, you may miss your opportunity. The poet Whittier said, the saddest words of tongue or pen are... It might have been. And so life passes us by when we delay. We live with regrets the rest of our lives and we can't lose our soul. Another big problem is it hurts others. It hurts others. It prevents us from using our God-given gifts to serve. So ministry doesn't happen. I don't give. I don't love others as I should. I suffer a bad marriage. Both marriage partners know we should get to a counselor. We should get some help here and make things right, but they just don't want to work at it. And as a result, the kids suffer. Lazy parents hurt their kids. They struggle financially. The kids eat poorly. They don't get good health care. The parents refuse to discipline them, and they get in trouble at school, and if it's not addressed, they may end up in jail because they weren't properly trained. And the parent will say, yeah, I'm, I'm just so tired, and I know. It's tiring. 
But all along, instead of training the kids, it was pick up your toys. They don't do it. So the parent goes ahead and does it for them. It just is easier to give in than to do the hard work of discipline. But look, it doesn't have to be that way. We can change. The Bible says the truth will set you free. Our thinking can change on things. But to do that, I must apply the truth of Scripture. That means do it. Put it into practice in my life. And Jesus will give you the power that you need to do it. So how do I overcome this sin? Let's just get practical and talk about if I'm struggling with this this morning, what can I do? Stop making excuses would be the first thing. Just stop making excuses. Proverbs 22, 13 in the Living Bible. The lazy person claims there's a lion out there. If I go outside, I might be killed. There's always something, right? And I've noticed something. I have good reasons for my inactivity. They make excuses. So let me ask you this morning, what's your go-to? One of these days, I'm going to do that. Here's a good another one. When things settle down... I'm going to get that done. Know what I would say? Those are excuses. So stop making excuses. Benjamin Franklin said, the people who are good at making excuses are rarely good at anything else. It's true. Second thing, start today. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In James 4, 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Jesus is saying and James is saying, you really you don't even have to worry about next month. Or even next week. Or even tomorrow. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed you or I. We only have today. So we say, I'm aiming to change that someday. Well, someday never comes. You only have today. So pull the trigger today. Do it. It's never the wrong time to do the right thing. Get help today. Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior today. Open your Bible and read it and apply it today. Make that phone call today. Forgive that person that you've been refusing to forgive all these years today. Go home and write down the top thing that you want to change in your life, in your personal life. Or in your spiritual life or in your marriage or in your parenting and begin tackling it. It takes a lot of energy to give a, get a rocket off the launch pad, but once it's in orbit, it doesn't take that much. So it's hard to get started, so get started today. Third thing, have a plan. Proverbs thirteen sixteen says, Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool flaunts his folly. You've heard the adage, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. If money management is an issue for you, start having a budget. If time management is an issue, then have a schedule, have a calendar. Make time on it right away for God and your spouse and your kids. Put it on your calendar and stick with it. I, I would do it if I only had more time. 
Well, look, you had the same amount of time everybody else does. We all had the same 24 hours. And unless you schedule it, you probably won't get it done. Proverbs 13, 16 in the Living Bible, wise people think before they act. Fools don't and even brag about their foolishness. So it's wise to plan ahead. It's dumb not to, and you're not dumb. Stephen Covey says, think of life in four quadrants. The first quadrant is what's urgent and important. So for me, that's sermon work. Crisis situations that arise, you have your own thing. What's urgent and important? The stuff that pays the rent. You've got to do it. Second quadrant, says Covey, is what's important but not urgent. Things like family and friends, future planning, just dreaming before God. The third quadrant feels urgent but lacks importance. Phone calls, mail, many emails, most text messages. Most meetings, urgent, pick me up now, grab my, your phone's ringing, got to get it. Probably can wait. Fourth quadrant, not important or urgent. Surfing the internet, watching soap operas. Focus on quadrants one and two. Make sure in your day you're getting that stuff done. And I want to talk about this a little bit more, so I'm going to do a future sermon just on this area. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. I read about a guy who memorizes scripture at red lights. Okay, making use of that time. I've heard where writers will use flights on airplanes or on subways to do writing. You know, that you use those down moments to be productive, making the most of your opportunities. Break down the huge tasks into smaller ones, you know, bite sized. How to eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. A journey of a thousand miles begins with the first steps. Get started, have a schedule and a plan, and stick with it. Fourthly, we got to face our fears. Most of us have some kind of fears. And these fears are impediments in our life. I'm convinced fear is probably the biggest obstacle of us getting things done and avoiding things. Let me tell you just quickly the three main fears I think that hold us back. The first is pop. Fear of people. What will he think if I do that? And so I'm worried about what somebody else is going to think so I don't do what's right. Foff. Fear of failure. What happens if I fail and I embarrass myself, so I better not try? And false. Fear of success. What happens if I succeed and everybody expects me now to keep it at this level and I got to keep it up? I better not try. I know we hate to admit our fears. We really do, because we see them as a sign of our weakness, when really it's a sign of our humanity. We all have fears. 
I think only the mentally insane have absolutely no fear. Even a courageous person has fear, but they push forward anyway. We've got to face our fears. If we don't face them when they're small, they're only going to grow big. So ask yourself this question. What am I really afraid of? Maybe it's really nothing you should be afraid of. Or how about this question? If I do this, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Well, I might die. Okay, well, you'll be with Jesus. That's a pretty good deal. The Bible says fear not a lot. For a reason. Whatever you're afraid of this morning, just give it to God. Trust him that he will see you through. And the fifth thing I would say in overcoming the sin of procrastination and sloth is focus on the victory. Focus on the victory. It's really about perspective. We're keeping our eyes on the waves instead of Jesus. No gain without pain. You've probably heard that. And it's true. Life is tough. There's going to be hard times. I've got to push through. So I want to keep my focus on the future reward, not the present discomfort. Because there's going to be a reward to those who are faithful. I mean, heaven. That's going to be great. That's our home. Again, perspective. Think about how good it's going to feel when you get it done. If you come home and you have a mountain of homework and you just don't want to face the homework, I'm just going to put that off and do that later. Then your whole evening is ruined. But if you get your homework done right away, then you've got the rest of the evening to enjoy. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Yeah, there's going to be a future reward. So it's about my perspective, changing my thinking, not what I feel like doing. But, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's when the power comes. So the word kind of sloth of sin is spiritually. It can mean a person loses their soul. They don't get around to embracing Jesus Christ as their Savior. Jesus said, what does it matter if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? It's not going to matter then. And that's why the ancients considered this a deadly sin, though we slough it off. So let me ask an important question to you this morning. Have you surrendered your life completely, totally to Jesus Christ? Is he the Savior and Lord of your life? Give you an opportunity to respond to that in just a moment. Are you getting to know him better? Is that your priority? That's getting done. I'm spending time with him every day. I'm walking with him every day, deepening my relationship. And are you giving your best effort at whatever your hand finds to do at work, at school, uh, as a brother, as a sister? Are you giving your best? Are you giving your best to the Lord? Do it today, I would say. Let's pray. And I want to give an opportunity, if, if there's someone here this morning that needs to commit their life to Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord. Lord, as we have been tackling these very common sins in our lives that are common to all of us, Lord, we would repent of our sin and ask you to forgive us. And you would. You're so gracious to forgive. You say, confess your sin and I will forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Your, your forgiveness is so 
encompassing. It's so broad and wide and deep. But the most important confession of sin we can make is if we don't know you as Savior, then you are holding our sin against us and there will be judgment. But Lord, you provided a way by sending your son to die on the cross for our sins so that our sins could be placed on him and could be wiped away, never to be remembered against us anymore. So Lord, if there's anyone out here this morning that's never made a personal commitment and trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, just raise your hand right now. I'd like to pray for you specifically. If there's anyone that needs to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, give you a moment to do that. Okay, seeing none. Then, Lord, uh, help us believers each and every day to do the main thing, put the most important things first, and that's you. In Jesus' name, amen.